Burping, although considered impolite to do, is actually quite satisfying. But why are cows being shamed for burping? My name is Louis Colorotolo. I am trying my absolute best over here to get a PhD in food science at the University of Guelph. And when I'm not burping, I'm talking with other graduate students about what they research and why any of that matters in our real life. So today we'll be talking with Lucas Lopez, who also burps, but he doesn't burp methane. Cows do. But it turns out you can't just tell a cow that it's rude to burp in public. But you can potentially look into the genetics that determine if a cow was born to burp better. And that's exactly what Lucas does. But honestly, he puts it a lot better than I do. So listen up. Let's say we have three billion of those letters you mentioned before, A-C-T-G-A. That's a lot of letters. Yeah, we have three billion of those. And we know that Batsy at position a billion, 500 million, etc. has a G. Okay. But Daisy at the same position had a T. Oh my god. So that's the level of information we're looking for to be able to understand why one is different than the other and what is causing that. If the topic of cow burping gasses you up, pay attention to this episode. And while you're listening, keep in mind that we're graduate students and we don't know everything. But this is why you're listening to We Know Some Stuff. Who? What? Who, who are you? As much as that is an interesting question that I could answer in a lot of different ways, I can just be simple and say, I'm Lucas Lopez. I'm a PhD student here at the University of Guelph in my last year. And why are you sitting in front of me right now? Because you invited me to talk about my cows. And why did I invite you to talk about your cows? I think you'd probably answer that better since I, I think you had an interest in knowing more about why I study cows and what I'm doing with them. Yeah, that actually, that, that summarizes basically everything I do in the intro. So that thank you for doing that for me. I really appreciate it. So, Lucas, you are a cow guy. Would you be willing to call yourself a cowboy? I guess you could do that, yeah. Are you uh, a cow man, maybe? Cow man, yeah. Cow man. You, you Is that look, a superhero or anything? Well, cow man, I imagine if he had superpowers, it would be something... Well, if it was cow man, they wouldn't shoot milk, so... That'd be biologically inaccurate. What what kind of superpowers would just a cow man have? My advisor would really like to hear this, and I think I'm going to say it in case she ever hears this. Okay. Is being resilient. Oh, resilient. Tell me a little bit about cow resilience. So cows are very resilient animals because given the stress that they can go through their lives, especially with producing milk, which we'd assume it's a very easy thing to do since they're cows, it is in a stressful event for them combined with everything else that can happen in their lives. And cows show a big resilience to come out of the problems that they face in their lives and still produce very well. I honestly didn't know that cows went through so much. Yeah. Like, you're kind of tugging on my heartstrings over here a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, cows, as we know them, they are the ones that go moo, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they are, they're great. Cows are great. They give us things like milk. They give us things like meat and leather and all of those wonderful things because we've domesticated them for thousands of years now. Yeah, thousands? I used to challenge friends to find anything in their lives that was probably not at any point related to a cow. The chair you're sitting on. Probably. There's something that was that came from a cow. Like what? What do you think? Well, that, that'd be hard to say, but like even in your toothbrush, okay, there will be materials there. 
I don't know about today anymore because they are all plastic, mm -hmm. which is you know not good for the environment. But in the past, they were made from cow hair in some parts. Cow hair? I, I yeah. can't imagine it was very comfortable to <laughs> brush it's, your teeth it's with very, cow hair. It's, it's bristle, right? So yeah. it, it cleans it. They also have their bones being used for a lot of stuff. I think you as a food scientist would know better for gelatin. Oh, God, I love gelatin. It's I really do. Yeah. It's and, all them bovine gelatins. Oh. Yeah. Mm. So it just is so thick and delicious. Your animal, your pet food, and a lot of other stuff. You know, I remember seeing this little picture that had every single part of the, the animal, of the cow, that is, with something that is made out of that part. But, of course, with just an audio, we cannot really see that. We can close our eyes and imagine it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And just let our imaginations run wild. Imagine a big cow. A big cow. Giving you a lot of different objects and in your life, other than just milk and cheese. I imagine the text is just kind of like floating in the air. Yeah. And it's got arrows pointing to things. Yeah. Ooh, could it be one of those cows where it's like cut in half so you can see the insides? You could, because actually a lot of the, the organs and, you know, the tribes are also used. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, would you have a favorite part of the cow to eat? That's a good question. I I usually stick with the, with the hind cuts. Okay. Because they are usually more tender and... With, of course, the famous loin. The steaks. The, yeah, the steak made out of the, the loin muscle. They are absolutely better than, than a brisket, for example. I, I get criticized because I don't really like brisket, and I know a lot of people love their briskets, but it's not really my favorite cut, especially because you have to cook them for a day, basically. So More or less. It's not really my thing. So then what is your preferred cut of steak to order? I love a porterhouse. Porterhouse is a phenomenal combination yeah. of the fat and the muscle and the protein. Mm. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Yeah. All right. You like steak. I'm a fan of steak as well. And other animal, you know, uh, other cow-based products. I uh, love dairy. Yogurt dairy. is like an absolute favorite of mine. It's what I work with. Dairy. Now. Butter. Butter. That counts as dairy. Yes. And uh, my grandma made tripe a lot, which was the intestine of the cow. Yep, the and rumen, I really enjoyed that. Which is basically what I, I work with. You work with cow intestines? That I, sounds gross. I work with rumination. A rumination. Let me ruminate on that one for a little bit. Okay, I'm done. That was faster than the cow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tell us, what what is rumination? Well, so the cow has a very different and distinct way of digesting food. Being a strict vegetarian animal they only eat vegetables that food needs to go through a completely different process of digestion and that is when they eat they chew it for a little bit they swallow and when it reaches the rumen which is the first of four big compartments in the stomach of the cow it sits there for a while it gets fermented because it's an anaerobic uh, compartment of the cow of the the stomach so there's so like no oxygen no air go goes okay in. yeah and in that chamber as we call it it gets fermented because it's the only way you can break the vegetable walls of uh, vegetable cells actually from from in the vegetable fiber in their diet which is basically what they eat in that chamber of the stomach of the cow we have a rich and diverse microbiota which is consisted of bacteria protozoa and a lot of other different microorganisms that help digest that food but for that they need to have access to it and the only way to have access to a vegetable cell is, is by breaking its walls and that's why you need an acid environment which happens with fermentation and then you can have access to the inside and those uh, microorganisms, they multiply and they become the protein for the animal. But before that happens, remember that I said the animal grasps it, 
chews it, swallows it, it ferments for a while, but because the particles are not small enough for the axis of the microorganisms, the cow and basically every ruminant, and that is a giraffe, a deer, a moose, they bring it back to their mouth, they chew it back again, and swallow it back and bring it back to their mouth again and again and again and again. That's disgusting. It is. And and you can see them doing that in the farm. Like it's really easy to see when they do when they're doing that. And at one point the particles of the feed become small enough to go through and be digested in the following parts of their uh, digestive tract. That's basically how rumination happens. And the rumination happens only in the rumen, which is the first of the four chambers, where the muscles in that first chamber kind of throw all of that material around to give it space and room to ferment equally. And then it's where all the magic happens, but also where gas production happens. Because as I said, I work with rumination time. The reason is the gas production because we know that cows are being heavily criticized for their environmental impact. And we're just trying to find ways to understand it and see how it happens to find ways to fix that. All right, I'm gonna take this opportunity right now to say I eat vegetables. I swear I do. Sometimes it may not look like I eat vegetables, but I do. And I, last time I checked, don't have four stomachs. I might have like two, but I definitely don't have four. So why am I so different than a cow who also eats vegetables? Because I think one of the, the ways that we can put it better is that we don't eat grass. Cows? Yeah, cows eat grass. They They're do. always like, moo, 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 give me more grass. Exactly. That's what your cows, they say that? Yeah. Moo, 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 give all, me more grass. All day. All day. Oh, yeah. God, that's annoying. They, they eat a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And they love grass. They do. They enjoy it. Yeah. But like, I know that if a human eats grass, they get like really sick and they throw up. And, yeah. And... Because you cannot digest that one. Mm. You can digest a carrot, maybe not corn. Maybe not corn. But all of the other vegetables that humans are mm -hmm. supposed to be eating, you can digest those because of how our digestive tract works. But cows only eat grass and some corn, a lot of corn actually, and they can digest that based on how they work. Okay, so you're telling me that just the digestive system is different. Yeah. And we don't need to ruminate, although I, I will also admit, I don't think I've ever like ate the things that I've thrown up before. Mm. So maybe it's just that I haven't tried. And I would not recommend okay. it Okay, all right, yeah. we have the official medical recommendation. <laughs> Kids, do not eat your own throw up. Don't be like a dog. Okay, cows, they eat. They moo. They're having a good time out there. And I've heard before that, you know, farming is always... Yeah, I'll start over. I've heard it before. I, I think a lot of people have probably heard it at some point. But cows, they're doing this thing where they eat, then they throw up, and then they eat, and then they throw... Well, they don't throw it up. They just kind of... Yeah, just bring it back to their mouth. Slap it. And does it taste better the second time? Or... You don't know. There's probably a study about that that I yeah. never read. Well, then we should. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We we could be the first people that break into that story if it hasn't ever been done. But they're chewing, and I don't see how this is really a problem. Because now I've been told many a times before that cow burping produces a lot of methane. It does. And this methane is a gas that is very responsible for something like global warming. Climate change, yes. Climate change. Thank you. So methane, bad. Cows burp methane. Could you could you light a cow's burp on fire? I would assume that you could. Yeah. At the moment that they're burping. At the exact moment. Yeah. So it it would be a tricky and, sort of. And they do it very loudly, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. How loud is a cow burp? It's imagine a 
family gathering okay where you have either an, an uh, uncle or mm -hmm. that person that always does it in the family ah, yeah multiply that maybe by five. Oh, is that loud that's a lot of burp yeah okay yeah it's really loud all right so the, so the, the, the they're burping up this methane and people are like cows bad but at the same time we're like cows good so what do we do about that I don't think I can say cows are bad because that would be totally against what I do here. So I think cows are very good. Cows give us a lot, but their gas production is indeed a problem that we are trying to solve. It's far from being the main environmental problem in our society. And it's something that we here at the University of Guelph, we try to show that there is a problem to be solved, but it's far from being the main, main environmental problem. But we are still going to work on it. All right. So we acknowledge that cow burps are contributing yes. to our current, you know, environmental issues that we have going on on this planet. And we know that uh, when you eat, you tend to burp. It's, you know, gas that is in your stomach and mouth and all that stuff. And it just has to come out at some point. Mm. So we couldn't theoretically. Now, I don't want to, like, bust open your research or anything or prove you wrong in the years that you've been studying this. Could we just put duct tape over the cow's mouth? How would duct they eat? You put the food in and then you duct tape it. That would be a lot of work, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it would be. All right, I take it back. Is there anything that we can do to reduce the amount of methane that a cow burps? We got basically two different approaches to it. There's more to it, but basically two. One is nutrition. One is genetics. I work on the genetics side of it. All right, so you don't work on the nutrition side, but if I'm thinking like a human, mm -hmm. I, I human, we as humans, we know these things. We burp when we drink a lot of carbonated soda, uh, things like that. And I know that, you know, certain vegetables will make us, uh, you know, have a lot of gas as well. Yep. Brussels sprouts, broccoli, all of those sort of things. So could you change a cow's diet? More or less to reduce the amount of yes. methane they're burping? Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So there are a couple of studies done where they, they show that basically just changing their diets and then going further and including something new in their diets causes that reduction absolutely works. The major concern with diet, and I'm an animal nutritionist before anything, but the major concern with the nutrition is it's not a permanent solution. Okay. Because if you think that you will have to give the animal something new, you have to extract that something new from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that's why we go to genetics, because genetics is always, a, I'll put it on quotes, permanent solution, because you can revert that in the future if you want to. But if you want to keep it, it's a permanent solution. So if we can find the animals that are already genetically better to not produce so much gas, we keep those animals in order to have last gas being produced in general. Okay, so genetics, if I understand genetics correctly, as a non-geneticist, genetics is when you have all of those uh, floating letters and the DNA spiral and someone in a crime scene investigation show like looks at a drop of blood and is like T-G-A-C-C-C-T-G-G-G-T-A. That's genetics more or less? That's a very advanced level of gen. I wouldn't say, but it's a very... It's a different path. It's a different path and a different concept for genetics, for sure. Oh, absolutely, it is covering genetics with what you said. But genetics can be simpler as what I said. You know what animals are doing it, and you keep them. And you don't breed the ones that are not good. So you can basically select, and that's what we do 
in animal selection is to keep the animals that we want based on the characteristics they have. Okay, so this is, it kind of is almost like a survival of the fittest, but at the same time, we're the ones that are deciding who the fittest are. That's what is, why it's called artificial selection and not natural selection. Mm, okay, so selective selection. Yeah. All right. Write that one down. That's a good term, selective selection. Yeah. And it absolutely goes back to what you said, where we have all the ACTGs in their DNA, which is another part of what I study, which is finding those ACTGs in each one of the animals I work with to see if any of that information in their DNA refers to being better at not producing methane that much. All right. So simple solution. Um, and if this makes any of your PhD easier... Uh, feel free to take these, but I want to be second author. Um, why don't you just keep the cows at burp less? Done. That's it. Well, thank you for giving me my study. You're welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. Uh, no, it's exactly what we are doing. It's exactly what so why, my project is about. Wh- we are just trying to identify, and identifying is the harder part. So what, it's taking you a lot of years to identify this kind of thing. What goes into identifying it? The reason it takes a while is because you need to record and to measure these animals for methane production. And that is the whole point of it, is how do we find a way that is accurate, that is easy to measure, and that is cheap to measure methane emission from cows? Because as we said, methane comes from the burp, and 95% of that methane comes from the burp of the animal. So we need to find a way of measuring what comes out of their mouth. And this is when you introduce the cow burpometer 3000? Exactly. The, the cow burpometer 3000 that we have is basically a cart that is put in front of the cow. And that's one of the, the uh, options we have. But the one I work with is a machine that is put in front of the cow where they go to eat because they are trained to do that on positive feedback for, for food is that is inside of that machine. And that machine has a, a muzzle that captures the gas coming out of their breath. And we know exactly what cow it is because we have their identification through infrared. So it's very easy to identify the cows and see who's emitting more or less. But the problem with that is we have to do it individually and it takes a long while to measure hundreds of cows as we're doing. Mm, you have hundreds of cows? In the moment I have 400. Four? Yeah. Where, <laughs> where are they? They are in the university's farm wait they have that many here it's over time so oh okay i was about to say i've I've seen like three cows and but not here at the main campus at elora oh at the cow campus yeah the Mm -hmm. cow campus cow university yeah tuition's really tough at cow university it is they pay they pay with milk yeah (laughs) blood sweat tears and milk yeah all right so you have these cows they walk up to this little feed muzzle box thing they eat, they burp, because that's just part of a cow eating. They're yep. doing a lot of burping. And you're then, like, counting more or less the amount of methane that they give out. Yep. So if we see Betsy the cow uh, gives off less methane than, um, I'm trying to think of other quintessential, like, cow names, Betsy. Daisy. Daisy is a good cow name. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know, but we have a lot of daisies yeah. in yeah, right. dairy farms. Well, now, now I want to know, do you name your cows? I don't. Is it because you don't want to get emotionally attached because if they if they burp too much? <laughs> <laughs> if they burp too much, I'm going to get uh, yeah. rid of them. No, it's basically because I don't spend that much time at the farm as other colleagues do. So I didn't have that much contact directly with the cows. But I know most of them at the farm have names. They have this huge uh, whiteboard at the entrance with all the names of the cows that are in at the moment. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. All right. So let's say Betsy is burping up more methane than Daisy. Hmm? 
We like Daisy more for this purpose. Daisy makes less methane. Yep. All right, we've identified it. It's Daisy. We can't just say, okay, Daisy, you're the only cow we're going forward with. All the others are gone. I'm assuming you have to do a little bit more work than that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What What are you doing? That's the reason why we have to measure hundreds of cows, because there might be something that happened to that cow on that day that made her produce more methane than her friends. So we need to be very sure, and we do that by a lot of math going mm-hmm. in behind the behind the stage, where we are able to calculate if that is not happening by chance, and mm-hmm. if, it's, if we can actually prove that that animal, that cow, is actually really better at producing less methane. So you're you're measuring these cows and their burps for many days in a row. Yes. Uh, how many days in general? The, we usually do it there for seven days. Okay, seven days. So some days you have big burp days, and other days you have small. You, burp we have days. variation, absolutely. Of yeah. course, they're just cows. You can't expect yeah. them to be so consistent. Gosh, they're not robots. They're so. not robots. You look at this and you say cows one, two, three, four, five, six, they are low methane burping cows. And then, you know, cows 10 through 20 are high methane burping. You've identified which cows are which. Yep. What do we do now? Now is the part that we try to identify in their DNA. Why is that? Okay. So what we do again is we have all the genetic information from these animals which we call genomic just to be fancy about it and based on that genetic information we are looking for the small small differences between them and that small small difference is going to give us why batsy produces more methane than daisy Mm. and and after that after we understood why in their genome why their genetics is different is where we are able to say based on this we're going to keep cow a b c and not c d e or d e f okay so you're just like looking up these genetics i'm assuming it's you know pretty simple they uh, betsy's got you know some genetics and daisy's got other genetics and you're just like yep nope this one's better yep is it that simple on the paper yes okay but in reality absolutely not oh my goodness (laughs) that's why they give us phds for understanding that Mm. because it's really not that simple do you think that you could just like look at a cow and be like yeah you're a high methane emitting cow not me probably not but i would assume that a farmer out there could possibly Mm. have that knowledge already all right, so you're just trying to find all the DNA that proves it. Yep. Okay, so let's say you find a, a bunch of cows and they have a lot of similar DNA and a lot of differing DNA, but you know that they're all low methane burping cows. How do you how do you determine like which part of the DNA is responsible for this burping? That comes with knowing the genetics of each one of them. So what happens, and this goes with all of these animals, when I say genetics, they are genotyped, as I said. We collect a sample, either blood or saliva or hair, and based on a reference that we have for all of the animals, a theoretical reference for all of the animals in the world of the same species, we know how their DNA should be. And then we genotype these animals, that is, we put that sample for that animal on a sequencer, and it gives us the different parts that these animals have towards that that reference genome. Let's say we have 3 billion of those letters you mentioned before, A-C-T-G-A. That's a lot of letters. Yeah, we have 3 billion of those. And we know that Batsy at position a billion, 500 million, etc. has a G. Okay. But Daisy at the same position had a T. Oh my gosh. So that's the level of information we're looking for to be able to understand why one is different than the other and what is causing that. And based on that position, we have a gene on the DNA close by that position 
either in it or close by that we know having that gene is the reason why bat C produces more than daisy. So it sounds like it's an elaborate version of the thing where you have two pictures and you have to spot the differences. Yes, yes. And you're doing it with billions and billions of A's and T's and G's. And C's. And C's. Yep. Oh gosh, I forgot about C's. We only got four, but we got a lot of combinations. Yeah. Talk about math. Math. <laughs> Through this, you can identify the gene. It's Is it like one gene? Is it like a lot of genes? For these kind of characteristics, is most of the time 100. 100? Yeah. Gene. And how, how long is a gene? How many letters are? It like... depends. Like you can have really short genes. I wouldn't be able to tell you how long exactly, mm-hmm. but you can have really short genes and the... Uh, a hundred of bases, a hundred of letters, mm-hmm. and you could have a gene that has a million of them. Oh my lord! So this sounds incredibly difficult to figure out. Yeah, stats can help you. Ugh, ugh. Yeah. So more or less, you're trying to use fancy math and fancy letters. Yes. In order to determine which cows are fancy, not big burpers. Mm-hmm. Did I did I sum it up? Yes. Yeah, was it? Yeah. All we're doing here is trying to understand who's burping and why. Okay. And, and keep those that don't. Well, what, what, what do you do? You you keep them, but like, why why is this such a big deal? Because of the environmental impact we have, as we mentioned at the beginning. So would every farmer have to do this, you know, for their, their whole crowd and say like, all right, we're going to get rid of these cows? Not if we do it first. Okay. So you're doing this work so that farmers, I'm assuming they only purchase the low methane cows in the future? That's why we have the genetic evaluation system. In the countries, mm. Canada has a big one. The U.S. has a, another ginormous one. And that's why we evaluate the, genetically each one of the, the animals. And now with that technology of genotyping the animals is where we can actually do that. We already know when the farmer buys a semen dose put in his cows in the farm, we already know what to expect from the next generation of animals in his farm. Because we know based on genetics again and based on all the fancy math that we, we work with, we know who can have what, who can be producing how much in that group of animals. All right. So we want to make cows that impact the environment less negatively. Yes. That's a good thing. Yes. And you're doing it by feeding them and measuring their burps. Yeah. And then you go and you pull out cow hair, potentially cow hair that's not already a toothbrush. Yes. And you yes. you then, could you could actually do it with the with the one on the toothbrush as well because the, the DNA is still there. By the way, just to, to not make people mad about it, to not think that Rhea really mean, when I say hair, it's literally plucking one one hair. One hair. Really? Just one little yeah, hair. It's all you need. I'm I've literally You could do out. it you could do it more. Absolutely. You mm-hmm. could get a chunk of hair, but you don't need it. In this conversation I've easily pulled out more than twenty hairs off of my body. Yes. Just from playing with my beard. Yeah. That so, that has DNA. We could genotype you with that. Oh my god, can you see how much methane I burp? I would assume probably nothing, but oh. yeah. Aww. You're not an, affecting the environment that bad with burping. <laughs> but with other ways I am? You could probably do it with a lot of other stuff in yeah. our lives. All right. Well, at least I don't have the same judgment criteria of a cow. Yes. All right. Yeah. That makes me feel better. I'm going to so sleep easy because of that tonight. <laughs> All right. So let's wrap it up. We know cow. We love cow. How much do you love cow? I love them a lot. Okay. And we love feeding cow, but we don't love methane burping cow. It's necessary, but we don't love it. Exactly. It's, it's something I wanted to... To say again is to understand that we cannot fully stop it because mm. the animal would die oh. because that's how they eat. Okay. And we could only do that maybe in, uh, I don't know, how many generations of not having animals that work like that. And that would be 
a huge evolutionary divergent path. Mm -hmm. It would become a different species at that point. But anyway, we cannot fully stop it. It's going to happen, but we can absolutely reduce it and make it lower and make it impact the environment less than, than it actually does. As I said, it's not as bad as people believe it is. And I really wanted people to understand that. But we understand as well that it can be better. It can be made better and a lower impact in the environment. All right. Well, we're all about incremental change. Yeah. We love it. But not too much change too fast. That's scary. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Just little bits. Burp by burp. Burp by burp. Well, I honestly can't think of a better way to end the episode. Can you fake burp? Can I fake burp? Yeah. Can you force a burp? I haven't done this since I was like seven years old. Okay. I'll try it. All right. You, you try. try. I'll try it after you. Okay. How can I do that? Yeah. Yeah. No. That right, was bad. I'm try. I used to do this a lot. This was like a talent as a child. Okay. I'm not sure if That's I remember right. how to do it. Do you just swallow the air? Yeah, that was kind of what I did. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> I don't like even the sound of that. Yeah, but I say keep it. Okay. Yeah. All right, it's official. Well, that concludes our episode. Thank you so much, Lucas, for talking with me and burping with me. Thanks for having me and for burping with me too. Well, then it is settled. Lucas and I both love a good burp, but Lucas is doing something about, you know, cow burping. And I'm just sitting here fake burping. But between burps, because we are on We Know Some Stuff, sometimes we have to admit that we don't know all the stuff, which is why we always do a fact check. So Lucas and I both looked over this episode a few times, and we could not find anything that needed to be corrected. That being said, if information comes out in the future, or if we come to realize that we've made a mistake, we will be the first ones to correct it. Until then, pour yourself a glass of bubbly and cheers to listening to another episode of We Know Some Stuff.